Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarrett Regan, an Irish athletics legend, Sonia O'Sullivan in Australia. What a weekend, Sonia. What a weekend for Irish athletics, of course, the indoor championships taking place. My own championships. I uh, ran maybe my longest run ever. Uh, on Strava this weekend and that with a vaccination in my system. I nearly feel bad saying it, Sonia, because I'm obviously in that category because I donated a kidney to my brother. I don't know if I've mentioned that, (laughs) Uh, but uh, I'm all vaccinated up. And on Saturday, I couldn't couldn't lift my head off off the the pillow at four o'clock in the afternoon. How how are vaccines going in Australia at the moment? Yeah, they're going slowly here. Yeah, they're not flying along like I see in England, particularly. Yeah, they're uh, they're debating over lots of different things, and there's a few problems, you know, with issuing it out and giving out the wrong doses to people, and that stalls things. So, um, yeah, I think you know every country probably has their own problems, and it becomes very political. Um, but hopefully things will get going here because, you know, we're heading for winter again now and particularly in Victoria where we get pretty cold weather. It's it's cold already. It was a bit chilly out there today and we're only just about in autumn. And there's a fear, you know, that if we get to winter and there's not enough people vaccinated that, you know, there could be another wave here. And, you know, we've been enjoying life here, you know, the past few months. It's it's been amazing, really. And, you know, like you, it's one of those things that you don't want to don't brag that. about it too much. Well, today, uh, Mikey returned to school. Would you believe I'm recording in an empty house here with Mikey headed back to school? And I guess with that, Sonia, I am now back in charge of the meals uh, that I'd love. I honestly had loved homeschool as much as it was tough at times. And I know that there are loads of listeners in the same position that yeah, it was it was hard. It was hard teaching your kid at home. But the life in the house was something else. And Tina being there cooking the amazing dinners. Shout out to Tina, the amazing dinners that she rustled up every evening. But now it's back to me. Uh, now it's my job to try and balance the family's diet. And I know that this is the, before we get into the specific questions, because we had tons of questions from our listeners and members of our running club on Strava.com about nutrition. Uh, let's start with something nice in general. I'm now trying to give them a balanced diet. I'm also trying to factor in my needs for fuel as a runner. What's the best approach in terms of the balance? Yeah, am I to look at the plate uh, as in the 
proportions of uh, grains, fats, meats, dairy and uh, just raw vegetables on the plate? Or do I go back to my old patrician brothers in Newbridge and the food pyramid lads? That's what you need to be looking at. The food pyramid. It's a food pyramid that I looked up over the weekend, Sonia. It looks nothing like the food pyramid I looked at back in the 90s in Newbridge. Yeah, the food pyramid has changed, I think, in, it's, in recent times it's been turned on its head and practically completely upside down. You know, with so many different types of diets now that people like to choose to eat only certain foods and not eat other foods. You know, there's so much choice and option out there and there's probably foods that we eat now that, you know, we didn't even know they existed mm. when we were looking at the food pyramid or that we, when we were growing up in Ireland, you know, it was the meat and two veg sort of uh, yeah, there place. Was, there was no quinoa in Ireland it's, then, right? <laughs> I mean, couscous, no, no <laughs> never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many different things. And, you know, there was one there I was reading today, Frika. I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> Have you come across that? Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to check that one out. Now. That's, a, that's a good filler. <laughs> Freaka. What's that look um, like? Oh, you'd be freaking out when you have that. Um, it's, it's, it's another grain. It's one of these, you know, there's um, a whole bunch of them spelt and bulgur wheat and pearl barley and freaka. So it's it's some kind of a grain and it's got a nutty, crunchy kind of taste to it. Um, but really good for, you know, if you make a stir fry or something like that and then you want to put in a few you know, grains or carbohydrates in there just to fill it out a little bit. So, so, um, so this would be another another way of getting a, a kind of a complex carb. Now, I say that word as if I know what it is, but I feel like the biggest change that, I, that we've witnessed is just the general po- population understanding that they're simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates. Is that the biggest change and can you explain to me the new runner the difference between the two yeah i think well the complex carbohydrates would be ones that would be a bit more slow burning and so they'd the the energy would last you for longer so yeah the, all these grains would would do that you know over like something like say white rice or you know sliced bread or you know, all these simple carbohydrates that you can eat loads of that mm. but i think these complex ones they're quite filling so they provide you with a lot of long lasting energy and you also don't need to eat a whole lot of it and you feel quite full quite quickly. So in some ways, you know, that's that's good for people. But then if you're used to eating a lot, then you might overeat if you ate too much of it. So I think you have to be very balanced in, in the, the type of food that you eat, but then also the amount of food that you eat. And I think when you choose, you know, good quality food, then you tend to eat a lot less of it because mm. it's got more nutrients in it. It's got more, I don't know, it's got more in it. You feel yourself eating so it. I yeah, you, I know what you mean. You, you just feel like I did eat something there if it's, if it's a good quality uh, piece of nutrition. Yeah, so there's like, and I think sometimes it can take a bit of time and effort to cook these things as well. And you have to maybe read up on certain ingredients and what do I do with this now? And I think by doing that, you think a bit more about what you're eating as well. And, you know, when you think a bit more about what you're eating, you're understanding why you're eating it. And, you know, the purpose a lot of the time is for fuel and to re-energize yourself so that you replenish the 
energy, the fuel that you've used up all day long and in your running and training, and then you're getting ready so that you can, you know, have a full energy day next day again. Well, that's that's I mean, that's great to hear. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I do think that people can find those new food pyramids and plate uh, breakups. Uh, you said to me not too long ago that when you're creating a plate, you kind of create a picture <laughs> that the uh, the greens are kind of your grass and you're trying to create something that looks beautiful on the plate, but has a kind of a full spectrum within it. I got a bit distracted in the question there, but would, would the plate breakdown be a very good way at looking at what I'm going to be preparing for my family now? Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. And I always go around with a visual picture in my head of, you know, what I'm going to present on the plate and how it's going to look and what it's going to contain. So you'd have a, a little bit of protein and then you'd have some carbohydrate. And that's probably one side of the plate if you were to break it into quarters. And then the other half would be vegetables. And, you know, a lot of that vegetables, you could have a, a green background. So a bit of greenery underneath, you know, <laughs> you have your grass going. Um, I think it's always, you know, it's always handy to have a bag of greens in the fridge. So whether it's spinach or rocket or, you know, some kind of mixed salad mix that you can ensure that you have some greens if you're not going to cook them up. Because sometimes it can be a bit much cooking loads of vegetables that it's nice to have the texture of something just a you know a bit of salad underneath and particularly I think you know as you're heading towards spring and summer now it's nice to bring in a little bit of fresher fruit and vegetables on, yeah. on your plate. Unfortunately for a lot of us these are new habits and I always couch all of my comments on this uh, before we get to the real experienced runners who have their questions which are really specific and really great great questions from all of our listeners that I'm so new to this like this is my first 12 months I'm only six months in I have to uh, I have to give myself credit though Sonia because I did give you an image of that appeared on Strava about my improvement my health uh, was it my fitness improvement since we started having these discussions is 5000 percent I mean I've never seen a graph like it. On the one hand, it was like, wow. On the other hand, it was like, what the hell was I doing before this? Like, I basically had no fitness. I know, you think, what? Like, what even is 5,000%? Un unimaginable. <laughs> Like but, you must have been worried no, a little no. bit when I sent that to you. That like on the one hand, well done, Jar. On the other hand, I mean, how sedentary were you before this? Like there are there are household pets that have better fitness than that, and they don't leave the front door. But you know, it, it, it is testament to what you've done, right? Because it's shifted my perspective. Uh, you always said that we're trying to turn you into a runner, and in that way, you'll view the world through the prism of running. And I'm definitely viewing my food that way. There's a couple of things, though, I need to reference before we get to our our listeners' questions. And before we bring on Ashling de Maison from the Running Home Project, raising incredible funds for homelessness back in Ireland. Ashling will join us later in the show. But like I said, two quick things for the kind of novice. I am obviously viewing food differently. 
I'm now in charge of the dinners. I'm trying to encourage habits that are relatively new to me, even the greens thing, like just throwing a handful of rocket in with my with my eggs in the morning. These are all new to me. They're new to my family as well. That is a challenge in some ways that you don't want to be forcing the stuff on your family and them kind of going, oh, God, Dan, the feckin' running again. Like, what are we eating tonight? Would you have, like, a kind of go-to recipe or style of cooking that you know, even if your family isn't in the habit of eating this healthily, this meal will satisfy everyone? Well, I think what I try and do now is you, you kind of do cafe style cooking. So, you know, if you ever go out to a cafe and they present you with this lovely plate and it looks fantastic. And then I kind of try go home and I try and replicate that, you know, in my own way. And so I think it's a very visual thing. I think if you can present a pray, plate that, uh, you know, from MasterChef, they call it plating up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Thing. Something that um, looks great just, just um, on site. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not just like you're, you know, putting a bowl of food out there, but you're actually putting it in an organized way that it nearly makes sense that all these things go together. So mm. why wouldn't it make sense that you have to eat all these things, that they're all part of the picture and they're all part of the plate that's good for you? And, you know, and just because it's good for you doesn't mean that it doesn't taste good. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I do break, I mean, the simple way and quick meals are always something like a piece of fish, some kind of what I have tonight, roast potatoes is always an easy one to go for. And I love things that you can prepare ahead, you know, like so tonight I put the potatoes in the oven with a bit of rosemary and then I went for the dog walk and let them cook because, you know, you're you're always waiting for the potatoes. So yeah. if you can get them, you know, pretty much done before you start everything else, then you're just, you know, quickly finishing it up when you come back in. Mm. You'd leave the um, oven so on though, Sonia. Thing. You'd leave the house with the oven on. Jeez. Of like, course. There's, there's a part of me that's terrified <laughs> to do that. Uh, I don't know why. I think if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not going to be more than an hour, then mm. you're just not mm. going to go anywhere. Okay. Well, and I'll get you to say that to Tina because she's always like, jeez, Jared, don't. Tina would be like, don't leave on the dishwasher before you leave the house. And I'm like, are you mad? Sure, that's why there's a timer on it. This is a whole nother matter. This is. Well, we haven't, it's a new oven because we've a new Just house. Just moved house, And yeah. um, it was actually the first, it was the first time I used the oven <laughs> today. And I left it on by itself. You, it was you're, grand. you're reckless, Sonia. You're, you're, you're a wild woman. There is, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't. There, I know there is a timer on it. There is a timer on there, but I haven't quite figured that one out yet. But I have used a timer in the past and they're great. Like if you, particularly if you're going to, do one of my other things I'm going to mention to you is a, a roasted cauliflower. Yeah, that can send me a picture a of this. Time. You literally just, yeah, just I, the photo you sent me was just a cauliflower with salt and pepper on top of it on a tray. How does that look? That must take how long does that take? And surely it stinks the house out. Um, it does, yeah. When you leave the house and then you come back, you know, if you're here, you don't notice it because it kind of grows on you. Smell. <laughs> if if you put the cauliflower in the oven and you go out for a dog walk and you come back forty five minutes later, yeah, you know you're having cauliflower for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it must taste amazing, does it? 
It, it is fantastic. But the, the trick, the key to doing this is you actually have to kind of steam it for about, gotcha. about eight to ten minutes before, before you push in it in the oven. Yeah. And then you all, oh yeah, and then you also get a little brush and you put some melted butter and oil on top oh, to make sure stop. it crisps up nice. I'm on board. I'm on <laughs> yeah, board. It is uh, <laughs> we, we want to talk later. I'll ask the question later about can you outrun a bad diet because I've I've been so proud of myself uh, staying to my Lent. No chocolate, no biscuits, no treats whatsoever. That was the commitment. First time since I'm seven years old, Sonia, that I've kept my Lent. I assume you've kept yours apart from the wedding because, you know, you've got way more willpower and discipline than me or any of our listeners. You haven't broken yet aside from that, have you? Um, I just had my wedding day and not my wedding day, but the wedding I went to last week. And yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I haven't really broken out other well, than that. Well, um, that, well that will be my final yeah. so question I, I think then. The thing is, yeah. Well, well, I think when you kind of have a break from, you know, certain foods and, you know, want, drinks like wine and beer and stuff, you, you kind of lose a taste for it after a Definitely. while. And it's quite... It becomes easier as the time goes on and it probably a lot of the time it's a bit of a habit that we get into. And I think once you break that habit, then you don't think about it as much. It's just those early days when you're thinking, oh, I'd love something sweet oh, now. I'd yeah. love a biscuit or a hundred, A hundred percent. <laughs> I actually have started to to kind of resent chocolate a little bit. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but when you it's like when I quit fags back in the day. You start to go, oh, how did I let those control me in that manner? And I, I started to feel a bit like that because I was a chocolate. Like I couldn't have one square. I just couldn't do it. I even switched to dark chocolate. But I'll ask that question. We'll save that question to the end about can you compartmentalize your treats? Is that is because I will obviously have to go back at some point to having, you know, post Easter Sunday. How do I not let it get back to that place? And that's something that a lot of people have talked to me about. Uh, maybe not in the Strava group, but a few listeners who have, you know, come with us on this journey specifically to get their weight in control. Now, our questions, though, from our our members in the Irishman Abroad Running Club have been sensational, Sonia. You've read them. You've been down through. I've kind of categorized them really quickly into a few recurring themes. Firstly, gels. Now, gels, explain to me what gels are and what level of runner needs to bring a packet in their pocket full of gel to eat along on a run? Yeah, a gel, that's, that's a bit of a tricky one. It's a, it's a runner's fast food for sure. And it's something that I wouldn't want to have in your diet too regularly. Yeah, it's a, I don't know, how would you describe it? It's a, I'm sure most people know what they are. They're a little pouch mm. thing. And it's the convenience of being able to carry it with you. And it's basically a lot of sugar in it and a liquid. And that makes it easy to digest, to, to get into you and to swallow while you're running and also to digest it mm. and give you energy. But you really need to be running a long way, I think. That's what I or, thought. That's what I feel anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before you use it. But there is another kind of train of thought as well is that 
if you plan to use gels in a race or an event, that you have to practice taking them so that your body gets used to digesting them. Mm. So then you have to use them on your long runs. And that's something that I didn't really practice properly when I was doing the marathon and trying to run fast in the marathon was I kind of thought, oh, you just have the drink when you do your long runs, but you really should be practicing it all the time. Now with the gels, I the only time I've ever had gels was when I ran the Dublin Marathon in 2015. And I worked out a plan was that I was going to have one every 10K. And the reason was that it just gave me something to look forward to mm. every 10K. And the biggest mistake I made was that I had a caffeine gel at about 30K. And I shouldn't have had that because <laughs> then that started to cause all kinds of ructions. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, digestively. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't, I just kind of was just thinking caffeine, you know, buzzing energy yeah, yeah, hopping yeah. off the ground just as I'm and it was the opposite but you know we learn these things as we go along mm. and I hadn't practiced a whole lot but there's, the thing is there's so many different types of gels as well now when I did I did a big cycle there a few years ago that was 235 kilometers so I had to carry a lot of food to eat on the on the bike and the bit of advice that I was given by people who do this all the time was that you either go with gels the whole way or you go with regular food. You don't mix them. That if you mix them, it just won't work and you'll be in all sorts of trouble. Mm. So you have to make that decision of what works for you. Now, the problem when you're running and a lot of people, you know, are asking the question because they're planning to do some ultra runs like 100K and, you know, you need to bring some fuel with you to top you up as you go along because you'll be out there for hours. And the problem is that you have to carry. If you're going to decide mm. to eat regular food, you've got to be able to somehow carry it. And you don't want it to be too heavy. You don't want it to get it all squished up. So gels are the most convenient thing to have and to use. So it's definitely worth investigating them. And there's so many different brands and everything out there. Now, the one I went with was it was SIS because it was a bigger packet and it was more dilute. And so then I didn't get that kind of gunked up feeling of the really thick, sweet, like, like I've had one recently and it was the worst. I haven't had a gel since because it was so bad. It was just like full on sugar in your mouth. And you were like, oh, my God, I'm gagging having this. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Susan Morrissey brings this up. This is like when you said 100, 100 mile runs. And I'm sure there are some people who kind of skipped back 15 seconds to hear did she just say 100 mile runs Susan Morrissey is one such listener and she has asked that very question I'm currently training for my first 100 mile race uh, I mean first of all fair play Susan and I would love to know any alternatives to gels for energy so she's probably had the same experience as you it's like these gels taste gack what what natural foods she said are good for energy in that way well i suppose one other option would be to have liquid carbohydrate and protein drinks and they can be much more digestible and better to get into you but it depends if you're doing your 100 miles if you have to carry everything or if you pass 
sometimes there's fuel stations that you pass through and you can have your stuff set up. Oh, right. And if that's the case, then you'd be as well to have the drinks. Now, the only thing is, I suppose you must have to stop at some point if you're having loads of drinks because, you know, the drink is not just going to all sweat out here. So I don't know what people do on these 100-mile runs. I mean, 100K, that would be, what, 10 times 10K, so... Yeah, I mean, 100 miles is going to be taking you close to 24 hours. I know. Susan Morrissey. Fair play to her. I mean, I would love I would love to have, uh, you know, maybe an episode about ultras and just the type of character that that requires. I mean, we obviously we spoke about the book Born to Run. Uh, and that really just kind of boggled up my mind. But anyway, back back to the chat. Andy Andy Fraser brings up something that gets, keeps getting brought up, and that's pre-race fuel or pre-long run fuel. And you know whether you're a novice or a, a seasoned veteran of all of this, this is a very good question. Heading out for that Sunday run, you're thinking to yourself, "Well, I am. Want to be nice and light." I want to feel like I don't have something sloshing around in there, but still know that I, I want something there to be called upon when needed. What would be the, the kind of rule of thumb for you that would apply across all levels of experience on what to eat before the big run? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't eat too much and I, I don't think you need to eat too much. I think if you've you know had a good solid you know, diet in the days beforehand, mm. then we've all got this ready-made kind of, what would you call it, glycogen stores that, you know, we're all topped up, you know, mm. unless we're depleting ourselves or not eating enough, then there's plenty of glycogen stores there that will get you from what I know from, I suppose, ages ago, without doing too much research about it was, you know, an hour we've all got enough fuel to get us through the first hour. And then once you go beyond that hour, then, you know, you might start to lose a bit of energy. But then it also depends on the intensity that you're running at. Like if you're out there running easy and, you know, you're not really calling on your reserves to, you know, you don't need all the energy in the world because you're just taking it handy, Mm. then you're not going to run out of fuel. You'll be fine. There'd be, there'd be no problem. And I think, you know, I wouldn't often have a coffee in the morning before I go. Um, if I was up early enough, I might have a piece of toast or I'd have some cereal. I might have an energy ball. Not all of them now, but, you know, one yeah, or yeah. two of them. <laughs> so just something You mentioned small, a handful and I don't know. of muesli a while ago. Uh, and I've kind of been leaning towards that. The black coffee and a handful of nuts. But a, a while before yeah, I go. Are good, yeah. But I would always, you know, a minimum, I suppose, would be within an hour, you know, for, you know, I wouldn't. I, I mean, if you're up for a few hours before you go for your run, then you could have anything you like, probably. Mm. But, you know, if you're getting up an hour before you're going for a run, then you're just going to have something quick and, you know, just something to kind of wake you up and get your system going, I suppose, and feel awake. And, and I think it. A glass of water is important as well to really, you know, just, you know, make sure you're not too dehydrated going before you head out. 
Mm, yeah, so I think we've answered Andy Frazier, Susan Morrison, Jack Noon and Seamus McAteer's questions. Claire Daly and Neve Tobin kind of asked the same question about running on an empty stomach and trying to avoid bowel issues. Like, without getting gross here, uh, there's, you know, that's a that's a thing, right? That That people are like, well, I know I need to go number two before I go. And if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, they're looking for advice on regulating that to make yourself regular so that you can go before you go running. Uh, and I know it's a it's a sensitive subject and it's a subject that like you, know, you don't want to get into in detail. But this is this becomes a problem for some people and particularly when races come back. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing is that I, I was thinking about this this morning when I was out on my run. I stopped into, there was a toilet block. There's a few around here by the coast. So at each little different beach stop, there'd be a toilet block. But I stopped at one this morning. And when I came out, I looked at my watch and it was exactly three kilometers. And I thought, oh, and, and I'm kind of thinking, it's interesting. Nobody's asked that question yet about having to stop on the run. Mm. And um, so I was thinking then, all right, OK, so I can get three kilometers on a good day. <laughs> And then there's another toilet block that's only one kilometre from home. So if it was, um, but I think it's something that you can work it out yourself. And a lot of it will depend on what you've been eating in the days before. Um, it depends on how early you're up in the morning before you get to go out for your run. I always find the earlier you're up and the more kind of other stuff you do before you go for a run, the more likely you'll be have a free run. You won't have to stop at all. Hmm. But it's one of those things that sometimes you do have to plan it into your run and you have to take a route that you know will go past somewhere you can stop. And, you know, it's it's something. But then the problem is that it becomes a habit. And I find this as well, is that if you know that you can stop along the way, then you do. But if you go on a run where you can't stop, then you don't stop either. So it can be a bit of a mental thing, like anything. You know, there's a mental and a physical aspect to this but i think if you're well hydrated in the morning and you kind of move around before you get out you do a bit of stretching even you know just doing some normal cleaning up and tidying up around the house whatever you have to do then i think you know sometimes maybe you just gotta wait that extra five or ten minutes before you go out but if yeah. you don't have that time You've got to, you know, find a route where, you know, you can stop along the way. And it's trickier as and, well, and, and, obviously. And then, with... then, you can, then, you're, then you're relaxed about it. If you know if you know that you can stop, then there's no problem. Stop the watch, in you go, out you come, well, start to watch again. And I think you've hit on it there. I think that relaxation is, is the thing, right? That that seems to me anyway to be part of it is that if you're, it, it, once you relax, things are fine. But I do think that... Uh, it's tension that is is what results in us heading out, having not taken care of everything, and that it's only once you start to relax out there running that yeah, then your stomach lets off. Yeah, and one more thing before we we move on from this is that when it's a day of a race, amazingly, you can actually you know run a whole race without stopping, like mm. and and not worrying about it, not thinking about it. It's just, I think, when you're running in training and you have the option, then it can affect you a little bit more. So I think, you know, for anyone who's worried 
worried about having to stop in a race, then we always get up a bit earlier before a race. We kind of do everything is a little bit more planned out. And there's a bit of an adrenal rush in there as well that, you know, your your body just knows and it gets itself ready so that you're ready to go and you're not going to have to stop when you're when you're in a race. Yeah. Um, Neil Fusco, uh, a big fan of the show, uh, is asking about his training for marathons and he says, I'm, I'm trying a very easy run on the Saturday and finishing my two hour run with a 20 minute tempo. But he's, his basic problem here is, and this is, a, this is a side question, I know it's not directly connected to nutrition, but I just thought this is a very good question. He doesn't, he doesn't have anything more than the, available to him than the two hours on the Sunday. He's wondering if two hour run on a Sunday with a 20 minute tempo pace at the end will be of any benefit at all in replacing a proper long run. So he, he's just a bit concerned about time time on this if we are still talking about timings that's a I think it's a very good question for people who are now struggling to juggle everything at this point so he sounds like he's trying to combine a bit of a session into his long run Mm. which is not a bad idea and it's it's a good thing to do but it's also good to vary it so I think you know some days you might just run the two hours solid and then other day other weeks you might do, you know, the two hours, but with 20 minutes to go, finish it up strong, faster. Mm. And, but you don't have to do that every week. You know, everybody's got this kind of obsession with having to include everything in their week. But sometimes you just have to do the long run. And if you're training for a marathon, the most important thing is to get the long runs in. And then every few weeks, you specifically decide to do a part of the long run at marathon pace or you might finish it up at a faster pace. And that's all beneficial. So it's just getting the time in and the time on your feet. Why don't we do a full episode about marathon training specifically? Because I know that increasingly I'm getting messages from people training for that event specifically. So uh, rather than, you know, kind of uh, doing a little bit of coverage of it here on Neil's question, let's agree to do one uh, down the road specifically about it. Denise, I have to go to Denise Brady before we bring in Ashling DeMaison from the Running Home Project. Uh, Denise Brady is a big fan of the show and she her question is covered by a lot of people. The post run, what what's to be eaten? She says that she struggles juggling the stretching, the foam rolling, the Epsom salts in the bath and the nutrition that she just with so many things, she says, to do after the run. She's not really sure on what to prioritize. Should she have the protein ball as she comes in the door or should she get all of that stuff done and kind of miss that golden window? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I was reading this afternoon now. I was getting ready. What was it? Oh, the anabolic window. Have you heard yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. And that's I what I'm that referring to. Word. Yeah, the anabolic window. Explain that one. Yeah, so it was like, it's pretty much an open window for the 30 minutes, you know, immediately after you've done a hard session, a long run or a hard session, is the most opportune time to replenish the the, the, the fuel, the extra fuel that you need to kind of replace the energy that you've lost 
and to get the most benefit from it. Now, I, I know about this, but it was just the words there that really got me today. <laughs> it just had this kind of, like, kind of boosting kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, <laughs> Clearly, it, like, it was drug. Yeah. Anabolic is just... Yeah. But, <laughs> you, but know, you know, I've heard this loads. For, for I, I remember we used to live across from a gym. It's big, like, it's a proper meatheads gym, I'll be honest with you, Tony. Like, some of the lads that came out of there like there was no neck visible like I mean it they were these kind of lads that like go, <laughs> like a gold's gym on Venice Beach like they couldn't turn at the neck they turned at the waist it was very funny to see them like it's fair to say these lads flexibility and speed wasn't <laughs> wasn't a priority lovely guys lovely guys but they would come out gobbling food uh, as they walked down the street, I was really interesting. That, like sometimes you'd see a, you know, a piece of Tupperware like face down on the pavement because they were so exhausted from their session, but they were obviously in the anabolic window and they knew can gobble this down now. Uh, and this is the <laughs> sweet spot. But uh, yeah, there. Uh, that that was some. That was the only. That was how I learned about that because I was like, "What the hell's going on here?" So you'd see the lads horsing the food down themselves as they walked out the door. I was like, "What's this about?" Anyway, it wasn't all plain sailing living across from those lads. They used to leave the lights on on the car, uh, the car park across from us, full blast, full blast, lights on, <laughs> techno music playing while you're trying to put the child to bed. And it's the closest I came to <laughs> challenging one of these lads. Like, literally brick shit houses. That's what they were. And Tina was like, yeah, go on over there and <laughs> tell them to stop. <laughs> uh, I didn't anyway. And I'm here to tell the tale. Uh, thank you to everyone who submitted a question there. Not the last nutrition episode, of course, Sonia. We'll, we'll do more and we'll bring mm -hmm. on more uh, experts in the field. Anything you want to add there? At well, the I, must, end. I must tell you a couple of things. Yeah. A couple of things for the anabolic window. Yeah. So it's yeah. really key. I mean, I would always bring it a banana. If I'm driving to training, you know, I'll have something once I'm finished. I'll always bring a banana is always good. And yeah, some fruit is the thing, um, I think, to get into you early because it's easy to digest it when you don't feel like eating anything else. So it's kind of a bit of a start. And bananas are the best, like they are so good for replenishing the energy. And then again, the liquid protein carbohydrate drinks that you can use to, you know, fuel up and, you know, get yourself back, I suppose, topped up again and ready for the next time yeah. without kind of wearing yourself out. Because that's what happens if you don't fuel up. Yeah. You kind of your energy stores go down really low and then you just get really tired. Whereas you don't want to get yourself in a kind of negative state. You want to be kind of working on par and, you know, feeling good. Well, of all the things you've said today and all the knowledge that you've dropped here, that's the big one for me. I, I've definitely done that. And a few people have brought this up that if they don't use that window, I mean, it is the crankiest version of myself that I've ever been. Like, that's the big danger that you will <laughs> you will fall out with your family. <laughs> And, uh, or lose well, you sit, your partner. You sit, down, you, sit down, you sit down on the couch and, and you don't have the energy to get up and make some food because exactly. you get yourself so tired. Yeah, yeah, and that's We've all the been thing. there. You completely bottom you know, you out. You just have to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's good. It's good to go there every now and then and see what it's like. Mm. But then you kind of <laughs> don't let yourself go there too often. Absolutely. Well, uh, like I said, we'll be back with more nutrition next month. I'm going to bring in Ashling de Maison from the Brilliant Running Home Project. I'll let her explain exactly what it is and how you can combine it with your Irishman Running Abroad Challenge, which I recommend everybody joins. It's up there on Strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman Abroad. And we've two events coming up, Mother's Day and St. Patrick's Day. I would love you to make a donation at iDonate. Maybe you kick in a tenner for the 10k and a fiver for the 5k. Or maybe you just give what you can, but it'll all go to jigsaw.ie, my chosen charity partner. Incredible mental health charity doing incredible work for young people back in Ireland. I've mentioned this before, but I will say this. If you know someone in your life with a young person, the chances are they're struggling or they're privately struggling. They haven't said anything, but they're having a tough time. Jigsaw.ie have an amazing amount of resources and services there and they can't do it without our help. That's why I'm trying to run 2000 kilometers in a year and we're making big progress. We're raising thousands for them as we go. I'm very grateful to everyone who's donated, but we'd love you to do it again for these next events. Let me bring in Ashling here. Ashling, it's brilliant to have you here. This is a remarkable thing that you're doing and speaking to you now on International Women's Day it seems like the perfect time to get on an Irish person abroad doing it like this is extraordinary I can't get over first of all your energy for this the things you've achieved just through yourself and your own passion for this project maybe explain to the listeners that don't already know what Running Home is what it is and how it works. Sure. Well, um, hi, Jarlitz, to start. Uh, it's great to talk to you. And uh, Running Home is uh, runninghome.ie is an initiative to raise funds for homelessness in Ireland. And we are hundreds now of Irish expats that are around the world running the distance from where we live now to our hometown in Ireland. So, yeah, it was just an idea that I had uh, running <laughs> and I said, I think that's a good idea. And apparently loads of other people thought so, too. And it's just since the first of February, it's uh, been growing and growing every day since. It's it's remarkable. Uh, I, I've never seen something take off in this way. I'm a little bit jealous of it because of my own uh, <laughs> my own Irishman running abroad thing. But uh, there's no there's no reason why both can't coexist. This is the thing. And I guess I'm learning that. And I know, Sonia, you're already aware of that. You're involved in so many of these brilliant fundraisers. But what I love about Running Home is that you can combine it with your Irishman Abroad uh, oh. St. Patrick's Day Challenge and your Mother's Day uh, 10K because you're really trying to get people to band together here. So you set up a team. Isn't that right? You set up a team and you kind of accumulate the miles needed, right? Yeah, exactly. So every single Irish expat can join in. They just sign up at runninghome.ie and um, they calculate the distance, the kilometres. And some people have quite a distance. So Sonia has 17,000 kilometres <laughs> from Melbourne to Cove. Um, yeah. so, what is um, longest, yeah. Yeah, so that's a long way. And Sophie, Sophie O'Sullivan has joined in too, and she's got over 7,000 kilometres. So for those people, they're joining in teams. So um, the Melbourne team is quite a good team, and they're going to share the kilometres. And then it really creates that kind of community. And, uh, you know, my sister's in the States. She's in Washington, D.C., 
and my mum and all my sisters at home are out running every day and donating the kilometres to her. So it's kind of grown in different branches and creating a support and more of a connection to home, which is the intention of it initially. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is that lovely social aspect to it. And it's something we this show is about as well in this time of kind of feeling very separate that the sense of unity that this provides and that our show provides is really kind of on the same page. But actually, you mentioned the the idea came to you when out running. Are, are, would you be a hardcore runner yourself? Like, w- w- what would you be running each weekend? Do you tend to have ideas out on the run? Oh, yeah. Like, I think like everybody, it's it's my moments of clarity where you think you're invincible and you can do anything. And then you come home and have your shower and you feel exhausted and it's not really the same energy. But uh, I'm no, not a hardcore runner. I have two little kids. And during lockdown, I did it. Um, I used to run quite a lot. And by my standards, but during lockdown, I upped it um, because my two toddlers meant I had to get out for sanity purposes. So when that time came, I went for a good hour run. It's my morning loop. I'm fully intending on doing the elevation challenge you have. And because I live, you know, I'm in, in Annecy in France and I'm in the Alps. So there's so much possibility to go up, up, up. So I can't wait for that. And that, like you say, like I think there's loads of possibility to connect for runninghome.ie it's we're about raising funds for homelessness in ireland the concept is that we want we can only get home virtually now but we want our actions to make physical homes for people mm. and focus ireland and peter mcferry are the trusts that can make that happen for us so so yeah so not hardcore but doing my best sonia you and ashling have been in touch about this as well have you we have, yes, and I've linked in with the Melbourne um, runners who are running home as well, and we're all planning to get together on St. Patrick's Day and do a 5K around the Albert Park Lake. Mm-hmm. So if there's anyone listening there who'd like to join us, then um, link in on Strava. And But we do plan to meet at 7 a.m. We're going to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's St. Patrick's Day, we're afraid if we left it till the evening, we might lose a few people throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, people wouldn't be running in straight lines. <laughs> Um, you know I know that the the appeal right the appeal and the charity end of this is massive and look here's the thing that I wanted to say is that sometimes it can feel a little bit like running is quite a selfish thing that sometimes our families can level this at us that you know ah you're just out there oh, sure nothing else matters but you getting your run every day well honestly the uh, the sense that uh that changed things for me in terms of my running and the sense that i well actually i can use this thing to do something for other people is immense and that's that that must have been that big for you ashling that feeling that actually this is about is bigger than myself and that while i enjoy this thing i can pivot it or use it leverage it to raise some awareness and improve the lives of other people am i right in saying that yeah and i I think you know for me i've felt this sense of responsibility now and started as an idea you know i mentioned it to several expats they thought it was a great idea they've joined in 
people have contacted me, you know, saying how much they needed it right now, you know, and they needed to feel the connection to home. They need uh, to feel that sense of community. And also, you know, Aer Lingus have agreed to sponsor us and they've, you know, donated flights. They've so kindly given us flights. They said, we want to help you make home a reality when it's safe to do so. But for the moment here, we're donating you flights, helping you with your fundraising. And with that comes so much responsibility for the charities and what we could do to help them. So I just I keep moving in that direction and feeling like I, I'm holding something really precious here. Mm. And that. Yeah, and now there's a committee of Irish runners that are are helping me out, and they all believe in it 100%. So much, you know, they're telling me they're having ideas in the middle of the night, and we have a WhatsApp group, and we have Zooms, and it's grown into something quite big. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Uh, you, 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 the publicity you've garnered is something else, and I love it. I absolutely love it, Ashing. I really wish you the best of luck with it. Runninghome.ie. Uh, I, I'd love if people got in touch with their projects like this, Sonia, I think it's just uh, a kind of a proof that you actually do get this clarity of thought as much as anything else. And the beautiful charity of this, this is kind of born out of that kind of serenity that you find out there on the run. Honestly, I, I've had ideas for the podcast, ideas for jokes, ideas for uh, radio shows and stuff that I, I'm fully sure I just wouldn't have thought of. Uh, if I just couldn't turn off the noise in the way that running does. Do you, do you still get this, Sonia? Oh, all the time. Like, and, and sometimes you get such a great idea that you start to run fast, you know, because you're kind of getting excited and <laughs> you want to get back. And then, like, I always think I come in the door and I'd love to plug myself into a printer sometimes and print it all off because I know you can lose so quickly. Like in like what Ashling said there, when you go and have a shower and you come out and then you think, oh, what was I thinking about again? I know it was great. It was really good. But what was it? So, yeah, no, it, it is. It's 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 a great and sometimes it's just a moment in time, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's weird how you just something comes into your head and you you can't even work out why did that idea pop into my head? But it's a good idea and I've got to do something with it. And, you know, I think Ashling has, you know, done a great thing with her idea. And, you know, I'm delighted to be able to support her. And and it's been a bit of fun to have Sophie, my daughter, get involved from Seattle in Washington. And, uh, yeah, she's a bit of a dab hand with the social media and stuff. So <laughs> it's difficult to keep up with her now and all the little... Yeah, fun bit she puts onto her Instagram. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Well, Father Peter McVerry actually did an episode of An Irishman Abroad some time ago. Uh, people can go back and listen to that. It was a double episode. Him and Glenn Hansard sat down with me for a chat. It was he's an extraordinary man. Both of them are. Uh, you can go back and find that in the Irishman Abroad archive on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Happy International Women's Day, Ashling and Sonia. It's always so much fun to have these chats. And like I said, if people want to get in touch, uh, it's irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com and of course runninghome.ie is Ashling's website to sign up and it is super easy to sign up next week uh, Sonia I think we should probably just do this book club episode about Shoe Dog our chosen book uh, this month which I'm struggling with at the moment I feel like it's it's a harder listen than it is read Sonia 
because it's it's quite a businessy book. I think book. so. Yeah, it's quite a businessy book. Yeah. Like I'm I'm excited about you know when Nike gets off the ground and Michael Jordan and people like that show up on the scene. But right now it's a lot about invoicing and deliveries. <laughs> like what the fuck am I listening to? Because you know that way, Ashling, when you're out in your run, you're like, I want to listen to something that I I really want to enjoy what I'm listening to. But tell me something. Does it get better? Um, yeah, no, I can definitely, when you said that to me, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, that's one of those sections where I kind of skipped a few pages. And you notice know something good coming later. <laughs> so, but you can't quite skip a few pages when it's in your ears. So uh, I downloaded it actually last week myself, Shoe Dog, because I thought I better get a quick review of this so we can have a proper chat about it. So maybe I'll tune in and um, skip a few chapters. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Skip, skip the early bits. But there's definitely some good stuff in there. Um, yeah, brilliant. so you will you will find some good, good things. Well, uh, look, stay safe, both of you. We'll be back on Thursday with or sorry, Friday with another great international Irish woman, uh, Marion McKeown on Friday for another conversation uh, from America, where we'll obviously be talking about the Meghan and Harry interview that's kind of blown the world apart uh, and the impact that Marion was a bit unsure as to whether America would care. Well, they definitely care now after this bombshell has dropped. Next Sunday, we'll have Colin O'Donoghue, a Drogheda man starring in a brilliant Disney Plus series uh, called The Right Stuff about the early days of NASA. He's an extraordinary fella and uh, you might know him from Once Upon a Time uh, series uh, where he played Captain Hook. Brian Connolly does a production for our show. John Marr does the extra research. Tina and Mikey make it all possible. Make sure to sign up there at Strava and I will talk to you all next week. See you later, Sonia. See you, Ashley. Bye, thanks. Bye. Happy running for the week. (laughs) 